0: All right, let's open our Bibles to Galatians chapter 6. And we're going to look at verses 9 and 10 this morning. So if you're able, would you stand with me as we prepare to read the Word of God? Our Heavenly Father. Open our eyes, by the power of your Holy Spirit, to your word today, we pray. That our hearts would be enlivened, that we would understand what it is that you call us to, that we would continue in it, no matter what the obstacles, no matter what the opposition, and that we may do so, so you would clearly be seen in our actions and our words, that you would be glorified. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Galatians chapter 6 verses 9 and 10 and of course this comes on the heels of what we did last week of 6, 7 and 8. So verse 9, and let us not grow weary of doing good for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then as we have opportunity let us do good to everyone and especially those who are of the household of faith. This is God's inspired word for us today so please have a seat. Now the doing good referenced in 9 goes back to verses 7 and 8 that talk about uh, that God is not mocked whatever you sow you will reap for the one who sows in the flesh will reap the corruption but the one who sows in the spirit will reap from the spirit eternal life. Um, So we are not to grow weary of doing what we are supposed to do. Now understand that this is not a one to one ratio here. Well I did good today okay what am i going to get okay that's that's not quite the way that it works because you may sow a a life of holiness and righteousness but you may face persecution all your life you may face struggle and trial all your life or you may be going along great and thinking well i'm going along so well in life because i am Seeking the Lord, and I am righteous, and I am holy. And all of a sudden, your world falls apart, and go. You go. Now, wait a minute, Lord. I didn't think this was in this equation here. I thought if I did this, then you were going to do this. Well, we have to understand that phrase in due time. In due time might mean tomorrow. Although we saw last week that if I plant corn today, I can't go back tomorrow and expect to be ready to harvest. You may sow things in your life that take years, 10, 20, 15, no, 10, 20, 30, sorry, 10, 20, 30, 50 years before there's a harvest, or your harvest may not come until you stand before the Lord and then He points out to you what you did not see. He said, You get up there and say, Lord, I did these things that you told me to. I was as faithful as I could be, but I didn't see any harvest. I didn't reap any harvest. And he, he's going, no, you didn't even see what I was doing in the lives of others. Okay? But well done, good and faithful servant. You did what you were supposed to. Your harvest comes for all eternity. So I just don't want us to, to misunderstand that, well, I'm living righteous, but I'm suffering. That may be part of what the Lord has for you. We cannot say, I believe in God's sovereignty except when it's not convenient to me except when it causes me to struggle or causes my life to fall apart God is sovereign and even in that falling apart he's got a plan and he's got you in his hand so we continue to sow what is right we continue to sow righteousness and sow in the spirit now Paul's command for us to not grow weary is very common throughout his writings um 1 Corinthians, Philippians, 2 Thessalonians, just point to a a few there. But it's part of the larger doctrine of what we call the perseverance of the saints. Perseverance of the saints. Now for those of you who are up on your Reformed theology, which you're a pretty smart crowd, I'm going to think that's, uh, Dan should know for sure, okay? Um, That's part of the acrostic for TULIP. Okay. Now tulip is T-U-L-I-P and that comes from the followers of Calvin. John Calvin never actually put that together as tulip but the followers of Calvin put that together in response to the followers of Jacob, Jacobus Arminius. Now, Jacob Arminius was a Dutch theologian who rejected the Reformed doctrines of the sovereignty of God, of the election, of man's total depravity. So the followers of Calvin wrote these five things in response to the followers of Jacob Arminius and his five things. Um, uh, So we have then the five points of Calvinism. Now, I I know this is, you already know this, but I'll tell it to you anyway because it's in your notes and you want to fill it in. T is total depravity. That doesn't mean I'm as bad as I could be, but it means from the top of my head to the bottom of my toes, I am depraved. I am touched by sin. The fall of Adam as my federal head affects every person who comes after him. That means in my mother's womb, I was sinful from the moment of conception. Again, it doesn't mean I'm going to do as bad as I could, but it means everything I do is tainted by sin. So I'm unable to get to God on my own because I'm sinful you, unconditional election, nothing that I do adds or contributes to my salvation that makes me worthy in God's eyes. It is his sovereign choice. So that's why you have some people who are just, you know, the dregs of humanity, but the Lord changes their lives and they profess faith in Christ and they are saved. And you've got this person who's just a nice old person, and you think surely God will love them. Not necessarily, because it's conditioned upon his choice, not upon us. L is limited atonement. Not everybody goes to heaven. Scripture's clear about that. Christ died for those who are his, for those who will be there. His saving grace is efficient to save those who are his. Irresistible grace, you cannot resist God when he grabs a hold of you John 6 God draws you unto himself okay just like you put a pail into a well and the bucket goes into the water and you draw that bucket full of water up that's what God does he comes and he grabs a hold of us and says Jenkins you are mine for all eternity and I am never going to let you go well God I really didn't want to be saved today Okay. no it's irresistible when he saves you he saves you and then for today perseverance of the saints saints it doesn't mean perfection of the saints This just means saints will continue at it why will they continue at it why will they persevere because the Holy Spirit preserves us perseverance is enabled by the preservation of the Lord so that's, that's your crash course on Calvinism there Uh, So the command from Paul is to not grow weary of doing good. And the good, of course, is following Christ, living holy lives, sowing righteousness. So why should we persevere, especially in the face of persecution? Especially in the face of these obstacles within society that make it very difficult sometimes to live the Christian life. Paul says in in Philippians chapter 1 we persevere because he who be, has begun a good work and you will perfect it in the end. Okay, Christ has started the work. He will finish that work. You, it is guaranteed. He, he intends to finish it, specifically referring to salvation and sanctification in our lives. You're saved from sin at the moment. You are regenerated, justified the moment that the Lord opens your eyes and you confess your sin and seek Christ is your Lord and Savior, but the ongoing work of sanctification continues until we get to heaven. And then we'll go, Oh, I thought I was good there, but now I understand. Now I understand. So the Bible teaches that those who are truly saved can never lose that salvation. Think of Romans 8. What can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus? And Paul gives us this long, long list. And then at the very end, he goes, Nor any other created thing. Just just for good measure. In case you thought not everything was covered in those passages. It's Romans 8, 29 to 39. At the end he says, nor any created thing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. It's because God does the saving here. And the only thing we bring to our salvation is our what? It's our sin. It's the only thing I have to give the Lord. It's my sin. Now we know many people... In our lives, I'm, I'm going to assume, who have made professions of faith and then have turned away from Christ. They've turned away from the church. And John notes that there were those who stopped following Christ even his, in his day in 1 John chapter 2. They who went out from us were never really of us. Okay? They mouthed the words. They went through the motions. But when times got tough, times got difficult, they hit the road and went someplace else. They were followers of Christ in outward appearance, in outward profession, but their hearts were never really changed. Jesus says, this is common. People honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me, in Matthew 15. So Jesus even warns us at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, and the last day, many will come to him and say, what? Lord, Lord, didn't we do, didn't we do, you know, didn't we healed Did we cast out demons and what will he say depart from me you workers of iniquity I never knew you now he's not saying to them well I knew you for a while but because you left me I don't know you anymore he's not saying that He's not saying that it was nice that, that you were saved for a while when it was convenient for you, but now in later in life you've decided you don't want to believe, so I'm going to unsave you. No, he doesn't say that. He says, I never knew you. Never, ever. You did those things, but I never knew you. I never knew you. Because what God starts, he promises to finish. So part of the work of the Holy Spirit Conviction, sanctification, and preservation so that believers persevere. Now, let me reference Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress. I hope as I'm trying to give you a little taste whenever I can when, when it, it fits so that uh, it will spark your interest when we, we start the Sunday school class on Pilgrim's Progress. A little section here in the slough. I always say slough. Actually, it's slew but a slew of despond, slew of despair, okay, depending upon what year you're reading it in. Faithful, pliable, and pilgrim. Pilgrim's not the Christian yet. He's still on the track, and he's, they're in, they're stuck in the slew of despond. Now, this is, in my mind, this is like a muddy bog that they have fallen into. Uh, they got off the track, and they fell into this. So, uh, faithful, pliable, and pilgrim are there, and as pliable gets stuck, He enters into a disagreement with Pilgrim about what they're doing here in the Slew of Despond. And he says, is this the kind of thing you expected when we sit out from the city of destruction? They're going to the celestial city, going to heaven. He says, is this what the Christian life is like? We're stuck in this muck. I don't want to be here in this muck. And without waiting for faithful or pilgrim to give him a response pliable determines that he is out of here and he is going back home to the city of destruction and he leaves by the side just as fast as he can. The fact is that in the course of each of our lives we've witnessed those who got stuck in the slew of despond in the world and said you know what I can sign up for this. I, I signed up for a Christianity that's going to wipe out my problems i signed up for a christianity that's going to make my life easier i didn't sign up for a christianity that 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 is going to guarantee me suffering or persecution or is not going to take care of my everyday needs and they hit the road and went to look for something else maybe the road of faith got too difficult maybe it wasn't all that they hoped it would be Maybe they felt that they were sold a lie by somebody who promised them, you become a Christian, your problems will go away. How about this? You become a Christian, and you're going to get more problems. Right? Why? Because your heart's enlivened. No longer do you want to stay in sin. You want to get out of sin. But to stand up and say that you become a Christian, you're going to get more problems, that doesn't sell real well, frankly. Okay? Struggles with sin... Hatred of the world, persecution, they're part of the Christian life. Scripture tells us you should expect these things, but also is eternal security. Okay, eternal security is part of the Christian life. R.C. Sproul said, true Christians can have radical and serious falls, but never total and final falls from grace. You think, oh, well, do we know anybody like that? Do we know anybody who's had a big fall but didn't fall from grace? His name is David, okay? We all know the story of David, okay? He was a man after God's own heart. Clearly, the Lord had chosen him. Remember, the brothers line up, and the first brother, he's tall as a tree, and Samuel goes, surely the Lord's anointed is before us, and the Lord goes, no, not that guy. Next one. They all go through, and Samuel turns to Jesse and says, do you have any others? He says, well, the youngest is out with the sheep. go get him he shows up and that's the one who's anointed king over the covenant people he had great love for the things of God yet he lusted after another man's wife he committed adultery he conspired to have her husband killed and he was killed this is all very serious sin and we don't usually expect to see this type of stuff out of believers even though we see a serious level of repentance in David's life. Remember Nathan, the prophet Nathan comes to him and, and, and you know, confronts him with this. And the child dies. Um, part of David's punishment is his; the rest of the children that he has will be uh, a problem for him for the rest of his life. But he did not lose his salvation. The Lord had a hold on him. Charles Spurgeon said it this way. The believer, like a man on shipboard, may fall again and again on the deck, but he'll never fall overboard. True saints persevere because the Lord preserves them. Now you might be thinking, and, and take your Bibles because we're going to turn there, you might be thinking about Hebrews chapter 6. Okay? Ran. There's this little passage back in Hebrews that I've struggled with and that that I'm not sure about this perseverance until the end stuff and what this means. Doesn't Hebrews chapter six say that a believer can can lose their salvation? Isn't that what it says? Ooh, no, it doesn't say that. And we'll see why as we look at Hebrews chapter six. Specifically, it's verses four, five, and six. Four, five, and six. For it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift and have shared in the Holy Spirit, and have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the age to come, and then have fallen away to restore them again to repentance, since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding him up to contempt. Now there are five spiritual experiences here given to the people referenced, and I think it's natural for us to scratch our heads Anyone who's experienced these things, enlightened, tasted the heavenly gift, shared in the Holy Spirit, tasted the goodness of the word of God, tasted the powers of the age to come. I mean, those are great things. Those are great spiritual experiences. And we think, how could anybody not believe after they've done all those things, after they've experienced all those things? Well, the simple answer here, they were never saved in the first place even though they were enlightened and tasted and partook and tasted and tasted yet in spite of all that they experienced in church in spite of hearing the word perhaps perhaps sitting in the pews and weeping at 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 this just the immense love that we find in God that he gives to us and having their hearts moved and being touched in such a way as as they never doubted the power of the Holy Spirit Yet, they were never saved. They went through the motions. They had emotional experiences. They had what looked like conversions, but they weren't. Think of the sower and the seed that falls on the stony ground. It springs up, but it has no depth. Okay? It can't get the roots down in. It has no depth, and it is, withers away. The feelings and the impressions got no deeper than the surface level. The only thing that was manifest in their life was a superficial growth for a period of time. Now many will express joy that comes as a result of being around the gospel. There have plenty of people that I know who have been around the gospel... ...and then went someplace else and pitched out the gospel. They'll talk about the joy that, that comes of being around the work of the Holy Spirit... ...but without the roots that a real profession of faith gives into the word of God they can look like it but ultimately that profession vanishes goes away now in my humanness I have a real problem with that I don't understand how people can can hear it and have in a sense this this great experience and and say yes my life has been changed but not really be changed because you're only changed if the Holy Spirit comes upon you if you're only Persevere if the Holy Spirit preserves you. So in one of my favorite books that I've quoted it many times, Holiness by J.C. Ryle, he writes, Perseverance is the particular privilege of real, true, spiritual Christians. It belongs to the sheep of Christ who hear his voice and follow him. It belongs to those who are washed and justified and sanctified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. It belongs to those who repent and believe in Christ and live holy lives. It belongs to those who have been born again and converted and made new creatures by the Holy Spirit. It belongs to those who are of a broken and contrite heart and mind, the things of the Spirit, and bring forth the fruits of the Spirit. It belongs to the elect of God who cry to Him night and day. It belongs to those who know the Lord Jesus by experience and have faith and hope and charity. It belongs to those who are the fruit bearing branches of the vine, the wise virgins, the lights, the wise virgins, the lights of the world, the salt of the earth, the heirs of the kingdom, the followers of the Lamb. These are those whom the Bible calls his saints. And it is the saints and the saints alone of whom it is written, they shall never perish. Now, as Ryle listed there, the ways to demonstrate are perseverance obedience to the voice of christ and his word repentance not just one time but we practice a life of repentance going to the lord laying before him our sins going and seeking out and repenting to one another professing faith publicly not just a secret believer but publicly publicly Living a holy life as defined in God's word. Humility, bearing the fruit of the spirit. All those things, all those things are evidences of our perseverance. For those who are rooted in Christ shall persevere because he will preserve us. Westminster Confession says, They whom God hath accepted in his beloved, effectually called and sanctified by his spirit, can neither totally nor finally fall away from the state of grace. Think in your own life. Have you ever done something you thought, oh, believers don't do that? Am I really a believer? Am I really? I mean, I know, I know Christians aren't supposed to do that, but yet I did it. Not only did it, I, I, I did it again and again. But if you are effectually called, you are in his hand and you can never fall away. Doesn't mean you will stumble. Doesn't mean you won't stumble. Doesn't mean you won't wander off now and then but they shall certainly persevere therein to the end and be eternally saved. How is it possible that we do not grow weary or that we can persevere in our faith, given the fickleness of humanity, okay? Given how our hearts are easily taken off by this or that. We were down in the, coming up the steps and and, uh, talking about something and somebody went, squirrel! Now everybody who's a dog understands that. Okay, because as soon as a dog sees a squirrel, it doesn't matter what they're doing. They're like, "Shoo!? okay? We can be like that sometimes, okay? Think of what it is in your life that causes you to drop what you're doing and pursue it, okay? Maybe it's enjoyment. Maybe it's a, a lust in your heart. Maybe it's, maybe it's uh, who knows what it is? But there you are in your Christian life, and you're going along just fine. And all of a sudden, somebody yells that word, squirrel, pew, and you're off the path. It doesn't mean that the Lord has said, hey, you had your chance, muffed it. No. It means as a believer, you have strayed. And he's there, come on, come on back, come on back. And his love continues in our lives. Why? Because the love of God is the cause of our salvation. The cause of our salvation. God is unchangeable. His love is unchangeable. If he has given us his love, he won't decide to take it back. His promises are there in scripture. God is not induced to love us from enticement of us by any merit of our own, but just simply out of the love that flows from his heart as manifest in Christ our Lord and Savior. The sheer absence of anything good in our lives, remember the T in tulip, total depravity, shows that the motive of God's saving love stems from himself. If I have nothing good in me, why would God love me? I mean, think, would you marry somebody who just hates you and just is a nasty person, okay? No. Would you save for all eternity somebody who is unrighteous and hates you and wants no part of you? That's what God does. While we were still in our sin. Christ died for us while we were still in our sin. So what shall separate us from the love of Christ? Nothing in all of creation. Remember, it's not your hold on Christ that saves you. It's Christ's hold on you that saves you. So it's important to understand that perseverance is closely connected with our consumption of the word of God. Let the word of Christ dwell richly in you. How can you stay rooted so that you can persevere? Is because you let the word of Christ dwell richly within you. For the word of God and the spirit of God are always connected. So, in order to persevere, you have to stay here. Use the means of grace available to the body of Christ worship, prayer, fellowship, all those things to help keep you close. And remember, do not grow weary of doing good, because in due season you will reap. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come before you on this day and and are reminded of your preserving love in our lives that enables us as believers to persevere, to not fall away. We, We may wander off. But the Good Shepherd leaves the 99, comes after us. The Good Shepherd loves us. The Good Shepherd calls us by name and draws us back to himself. That even in our brokenness, in our sinfulness, his love for us does not change. Or there might be some of us here today who who think in their own minds and hearts they have failed to persevere they have been weak they have turned aside and, and chased things that they should not have they have let their heart be enticed by the things of the world and they know that But and then they wonder am I really a believer do I really belong to Christ fixing their hearts at this time Lord presence of your saving grace that they might know from what your word says that they might know from the work of the Holy Spirit in their lives that you have not abandoned them you have not left them to their own accord but your love extends beyond their sin your grace is more than sufficient to cleanse them to bring them back to make them whole, that they will know your care and love. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.